And I really believe that an artist should evolve yeah. and change yeah. and grow and experiment. And I'm just, you know, I'm all about that. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here is your host, Brian Formals. Tim, I feel like we just... Uh... I think we just, I feel like we just spoke. We just saw you, right? We just saw you, yeah. Deja vu. But Deja vu. You were, uh, you're, you were a guest on the first season. What are we calling the beta season? Beta season? Yeah, the beta season. Right? <laughs> yeah. The demo season. Demo no, season. No, the demo season. Demo <laughs> season. <laughs> the secret season. Which but is not, which is not on the, on the iTunes, but yeah, it's we, on the we website, right? It's on the website. You can still get to it. I, I mean, I really like the idea of keeping some stuff kind of hidden and like for I people like that really want to hear it. Right. I mean, and like how bands have like a demo season and they do demos and like here's the demo recordings. And we had a really good conversation at your studio, and now we're back, man. Yeah, we that a lot was. To talk about. It was three years ago. Really? Yeah, three years ago last week. Wow. Huh. Three years ago. Man, time flies when you're fine. A lot's a lot's changed. A lot, but so you've been up to a lot. You've been doing a lot of different things, and following you on Instagram, on Facebook, you know, in that conversation, we talked a lot about Boonville, and we talked about um, the Sandy work and the documentary stuff. Lately, within the last, I'd say, the year, last couple of years, you've been doing a lot of like studio work, yeah. a lot of like studio experimentations. Yeah, which for some people might think is like kind of a, I don't want to say a drastic change, but it is a little bit of a change from going out to shooting, you know, black and white kind of like documentary work, four by five work. Now you're in the studio making photograms, doing experiments with like, you know, still life and those sort of things. So how did that process come about? Is it something that was abrupt or is it something where you were like digging in to your photo history that like inspired you to move in this direction or where, where did that kind of come um, from? Well, it, it kind of came about, I guess three years ago, we talked about Boonville. We talked about Sandy. I was living in Flatbush. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say about a, like two and a half years ago, shortly after we talked, I, I sold that house and I moved to Windsor Terrace, right. uh, Brooklyn. And it all, I lost my studio space. Mm-hmm. I had a basement in that place. So I had my studio and I had, and you were in my studio upstairs. Yeah, 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 so I had yeah. like these dual places. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all started about two and a half years ago when I sold a portfolio to the Haggerty Museum of Art mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. They bought the Boonville portfolio, which was nice. really yeah. awesome. Hey, congratulations. For their, congrats, for, their, yeah. for their collection. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so that was a big deal. And so I was dealt the task of, of printing uh, a new set of of prints for, for Boonville. Mm-hmm. And the Camera Club of New York, which is where I normally print, was going out of was going to not, not out of business. They were go, they were moving to Baxter Street, their mm-hmm. new location, and they're they've been around for like 120 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're an old school establishment. Um, but the sad thing is that when they moved to Baxter Street, they got rid of all their darkroom gear, mm-hmm. and they they weren't going to have a wet darkroom anymore. So I was in the position after selling that portfolio to purchase all of their darkroom gear. Mm-hmm and move it to my new studio space. My new studio space is in Staten Island, and it's a house that was given to me shortly after I moved Mm -hmm. um, to use strictly as a studio, not to live in. Um, So I have this like house in Staten Island in the middle of nowhere. It's actually like, (laughs) it's in this neighborhood called Bull's Head. Uh I'm not familiar with Staten Island really, Uh but like I am now. Yeah. yeah. 
So cut to moving into this studio space. I, they were the people who owned it beforehand Mm -hmm. were hoarders. And the stipulation was (laughs) that I had to gut it, clean it out Mm -hmm. and deal with all the shit that was in the house, which was really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, and that took me like three to six months to deal with gutting and cleaning out this house, which was mostly filled with just, I mean, I don't know if either of you are familiar with hoarders. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. But it was just like boxes and boxes and boxes filled to the ceiling. There were small, narrow pathways that you could walk (laughs) through to get to places. You might die. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and the the people who owned it were home shopping network hoarders. So, and like, what's the other one Uh, besides home shopping network? There's like... My mother would probably yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, QVC. QVC, QVC thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and it was pre-internet, so it was a, must have just been all over the television, right? Uh-huh. Um, and it was so bad that when I opened the the dishwasher, Uh-oh. Oh, no. the entire dishwasher was just filled with unopened Home Shopping Network boxes. <laughs> uh, like I, it was like a shock. It just yeah. re, I just like that hit me how bad it was oh. when I opened that up. Um, so I spent like six months gutting and cleaning this place mm-hmm. out. I had acquired. The Camera Club of New York's, I, I, I didn't acquire everything, but I, mm-hmm. I got like six sinks ah. um, and two, two enlargers. Mm-hmm. And then I actually bought a five by seven enlarger, or I got a five by seven enlarger free from this guy in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, a Durst. Um, so I went out to Pittsburgh, brought the, it's super heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a pain in the ass to yeah. transport, but. Um, so after cleaning out this space, I got it. Wait a minute. What yeah. did you do with all the stuff that was in the house? Did you get, you get to sell oh, yeah, it right. or bought so, it? Or so I, I threw a lot of the shit away, uh-huh. um, but I kept a lot of it. Um, there's, I'm selling some of it on Etsy mm-hmm. and eBay. Um, and there, there was just a lot of like porcelain uh-huh. dolls and uh, porcelain figurines <laughs> and like tiny, tiny crystal, like penguins and (laughs) just weird shit. Things to put on your mantle. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of mantle stuff. So you were able to sell some of it, but you still have some of it hanging around? Yeah, I sold some of it. There was some like shipwrecked, Uh, uh, some coins from like some uh, shipwrecks that like went for like 500 bucks on eBay. Wow. Which was kind of amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, And now I'm selling mostly these like Swarovski crystal... Uh, figurines huh. on on Etsy and and like I sold one like last week for ninety bucks. Wow! So it's nice. like nice. you know nice. every okay. once in a while it pops up yeah. and sells something. It's nice. not it's not like paying my bills, but yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so I still have like I have shelves and mm. shelves mm. and shelves of this stuff still. Yeah, you're on the frontier of garbage and keepers, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I like You're refuse. You're the cider. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of that yeah, that yeah. sort of thing, but it got a little too much. Yeah. It was yeah, a little yeah. too much. So you got to get it, you got that, like, the dark room going, and now you're like... What do I, you have this setup and you're like, oh, I got to do something, right? Yeah. So I got, I gutted in the house. I gutted two bedrooms and a bathroom that were, that were joined, Uh um, and put in all the sinks and this mural. I have a mural, uh, enlarger that Uh projects on the wall and I have another Durst that I do most of my printing with. Uh Um, and I started printing the Boonville portfolio, Uh which took me probably six months. I had an assistant that was helping me. Uh Um, but, and I would go into the studio like 
probably three days a week trying to print this stuff. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. It's a lot of work. It's like 65 final images, mm -hmm. um, 16 by 20 portfolio. And I started getting bored <laughs> printing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't love printing. I like to print, but I, mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of oh. sitting in the dark and going through this, this, these, you know, extreme detail and the monotony of, of printing silver yeah, prints. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's soothing and it can be calm, but at the same time, like doing 60 of them got me to the point where mm -hmm. I was just like getting bored. And so I started reverting back to when I was in high school, I had a photo one teacher. Um, and like I said, we, we printed color and mm -hmm. developed our own color in high school. That's advanced. Which was very advanced. Mm -hmm. um, and the drums, like these, you know, these drum, yeah. the, the drum uh, development. Um, and it was pretty awesome. And, but he also taught us all of these other, like, Jerry Yulesman techniques. And he was a big fan of, like, double exposure and even, like, quadruple mm -hmm. exposure portraits and, and different things. So he was, he was kind of advanced. So cut to, I went to school in... 1999, and then I and I moved back home before I moved to New York, and I rented a dark room back home in Indiana, and I started playing with some Jerry Ulsman techniques and some drip techniques, where I would spray developer onto the photographs huh. and like old expired developer. Yeah. So it'd come out like this bronzy sort of color, yeah. and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just experimenting, playing around, um, and then cut to now. I started like just fucking around with that shit again mm -hmm. and experimenting again. Um, and I started experimenting with the Boonville portraits mm -hmm. and actually taking them and just started burning them and doing some of these drip development techniques. And then I started taking these eyedroppers mm -hmm. and taking developer and dropping developer onto prints oh. over, over some of the Boonville portraits. Mm -hmm. um, so it would come out this like, the majority of the of the print would be white, but then there's just these drops that mm -hmm. fill in the space, um, and it just started to open up this whole mm -hmm. other world for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I started moving from, I guess I started moving outside of the Boonville portraits, mm -hmm. and then just started trying to make new work. Um, and. So you're, but you, so you're moving into the new work, you're experimenting, and now, like, you realize, okay, Boonville is this thing, and now I'm on this new thing. Do you, at that point, did you feel like you're working on a new series, or did you, right. like, I'm just, like, I'm just going to experiment. I'm going to, like, go all out on the darkroom, I'm going to experiment, I'm going to see what happens, I'm going to, like... You know, go because like it sounds like one of those things where you don't know what it is until you're in it. Right, exactly. Like you, you it, might, it must be like a challenge coming from somebody who's like very project oriented, where you know you're working yeah. on Boonville and it's going to be like this this project and it's going to beginning and end to like this darkroom experimentation where you really have no idea where you're going. Right. Like so, how did that? At some point, you must have just been said like hell with it. I'm going to go, I, I got to do this. Yeah. Was I, there that I, impulse or was like, you have to do this? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And we, I remember in episode, the first season yeah, yeah, we talked yeah. about how like I became set obsessed with Sandy and just had to go in mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. do it. And it was kind of the same thing. I stopped, I sort of stopped printing the Boonville stuff mm -hmm. because I was so bored with it <laughs> that I just ended up mm -hmm. just fucking around in the dark room and playing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it took on a whole new life, but I didn't really know what I was doing and it wasn't necessarily a project. Um, it just started to evolve. Um, and trying to think, I, I guess I, I guess it all started, I started documenting all of these works as I was making them mm -hmm. with my iPhone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really realize that I was documenting all of this stuff. And then I went to a piece of cake workshop mm -hmm. in Vermont. And two days before I went to the piece of cake workshop, um, I had my portfolio in the car and I had my camera in the car and it all got stolen. What? <laughs> yeah. So oh, I lost my, my D800, my bag full of my gear, which was just my flash, my pocket wizards, yeah. my other, you know, my 85 lens, my 35 lens, blah, blah, blah. Huh. Um, and then I lost 15 or so unique photograms Ugh. that I had been making in yeah. the darkroom. So I had been making for probably, I guess, before that point for about six months from when I started printing the Boonville portfolio to, to that point, I guess about six months of making photograms, mm -hmm. um, using different things around the studio, um, just playing around with whatever I could find in the mm -hmm. studio to make mm -hmm. these photograms and just trying to come up with something that was a little bit different, a little bit more unique mm -hmm. um, and than, than what I had seen you know, around. Um, and I went up to this piece of cake workshop with nothing because it was all stolen, which yeah. was really fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It just killed me. Yeah. Um, but I had about 15, 20 photographs on my iPhone um, that, I, that I didn't even realize I had on my iPhone. Yeah. And they were just snapshots of like my assistant holding up a photogram and me taking a picture of it. Some stuff was on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was this a blessing in disguise? It was a blessing well, in disguise. Well, it's kind of like it, go, it ties into how there is that tendency to document the process and yeah. like document the studio and like have that as part of what you're doing. And in many instances, that is the actual art is like the documentation. Right. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's lucky that you went down that path and at least had it, you know, somewhat. Yeah. And it, it got a good response at the workshop and I ended up going home and going through my Lightroom catalog basically. Mm -hmm. And I found about 250 or 300 photographs. Oh, nice. That I had nice. taken in the studio mm -hmm. from beginning to end from that up, you know, from when I moved into the studio mm -hmm. to that point. And a ton of it was like really kind of fascinating documentations of this work that I had been making. Or some of it was just like documenting the the thing itself. Mm -hmm. Some of it was incorporating the studio. Some of it was still lives. Mm -hmm. um, and then I like I ran with that and started and I put together a PDF for a book project mm -hmm. of that work. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't really it felt tight at that point, but later I realized that I needed to work on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but then I started to actually take out the four by five and another digital camera and started to recreate some of that mm -hmm. stuff and to expand on it. Mm -hmm. um, but it all started to really come together after that point mm -hmm. when I found, um, I'm really close to my grandparents mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my grandparent, my grandmother died in I think 2013 and I did a project mm -hmm. since we spoke I did a project called waiting for a ghost mm -hmm. that's on my website mm -hmm. and it basically documents the last eight days of her life mm -hmm. um so when she and she was in a hospice house in Florida so I flew down and I mm -hmm. spent about eight days with her and just documented mm -hmm. my experience mm -hmm. there some landscapes some portraits of her a lot of shots of the clock 
you know, yeah, discussing yeah. like the, yeah, yeah. the element of passing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she passed, she left me all of my grandfather's stuff, mm-hmm. which included this folding ruler, mm-hmm. this old like craftsman folding ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found the ruler in the studio. I had a box of just his stuff and I was mm-hmm. going through it. I found the ruler. And I decided to open the ruler, play with different shapes that it created and started making photograms mm-hmm. using that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started, it really connected with me, the idea of memorializing him, using his tools mm-hmm. to create something and to build something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found his flashlight. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about the source of light that I was using as the photogram, which was just the enlarger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I th- thought maybe I could just use the flashlight instead mm-hmm. of the enlarger and play around with that. Sort mm-hmm. of like pa- a mixture of painting with light. Um, I didn't really know mm-hmm. what I was going to Well, do. there's also like a very strong abstract expressionist a- aspect to it too. Because when we were looking at the prints with the ruler, it's like Franz Klein like came to my mind right away. Sure. It's like, yeah. this is Franz Klein. This is abstract expressionism with like mixed with you know, the, the, these darkroom techniques, but I think you talking about like the, the personal aspect of the ruler is what really kind of ties it all together. Yeah. So I'm wondering like how, when you're, when you're making this type of abstract kind of darkroom work and it has like part of the, you know, methodology to it or part of the process is this very personal aspect or story to it. How much do you think that is necessary for appreciating the art. Like, would you put that in a statement? Would you say, like, mm. I made this with, like, a ruler from my grant? Like, would you put incorporate that story into, like, your artist statement, or would you just leave it yeah, kind I, of abstract? Or are you, you know, it's because it's a difficult situation. I mean, it's a difficult thing. Like, I like hearing about, like, the backstory and the process, but, you know, it seems to me maybe there's a tendency now where you would just kind of want to know about, like, the technique or what have you. you know? right. I mean, I think I would. I think I would. I think mm. it's important because I think that, like, I mean, whenever I explain it or talk about it or if I do write it, write something about it, which I have, mm. um, I usually incorporate the fact that it's that it's his ruler and that it that it, yeah. that I'm that I'm close to him and that mm. it's I, I think of it as a collaboration. Yeah, you're oh, yeah, you're, yeah. Almost, you're like tapping into these material objects in a very spiritual way. Exactly. Right. You're exactly. like you're allowing that to exist. Like you're listening to them in, in such a way that it's becoming something else. Yeah. And also yeah. like the process, like the process in the dark room, like it's a true, like you always talk about photography as a transformative process, yeah. of like taking mm-hmm. light and transforming it into something else. It's like, you're taking an object that has a history and trying to transform it. Sure. Into yeah. Something else. So yeah, definitely. That, to me, it seems like it would be an important aspect to it. Yeah. Know, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm all about just looking at a piece of art mm-hmm. and loving mm-hmm. it for what it is without necessarily having to know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that some of these photograms can, can do that. Mm-hmm. But if you dig deeper and you find out what it is, maybe it makes a little bit more of an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're looking at some of the, we have some of like the, the flashlight stuff too. And yeah. I remember. Yeah. So this is the newer flashlight stuff. Yeah. You you guys saw some of the other like 16 by 20 yeah, photograms. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. This makes me think of like electron microscope. Yeah. It's type. like, it's like, yeah, it's some like of it a is, microscopic like yeah. photography. So, so these again, are very like abstract expressionist. Like this stuff is like. The, the colors are a little bit bolder, but like, you know, yeah, I mean, this is my first, this, this yeah. is my first foray into uh, color uh, work in a yeah. while. 
Um, I guess, I mean, my gra- the, the work I did on my grandmother, half mm-hmm. of it's in color. Mm-hmm. But this is really, uh, this this came about for my love of just straight shooting four by fives. Uh-huh. And this is work that is made with the Fuji FP100 C oh, yeah. four by five film. Not discontinued, I which think. Which is right? discontinued for a few years. They, the two and a quarter by, or the three and a quarter by four and a quarter films, you can still find it pretty easily. Okay. I think even B&H has some of the black and white stuff available. Oh. Um, Now's probably time. Yeah. <laughs> but the four by five stuff is really hard to find. Yeah. And I, I've, I've reached out and I've found a couple packs through some friends and I found this one website, I forget the name of it, but they, they sell like expired old film mm-hmm. and, but it's like a hundred bucks a pack. Mm-hmm. So it's like 10 bucks a sheet. Yeah. Um, but I just, I was just pl- like, it came from a love of, of shooting four by five. And I was like, you know what? I've got this pack of, of Fuji, pol- I call it Fuji Polaroid or Fuji Yeah, sure. Um, in my fridge, let me just play around and see what I can do and try to do some stuff in the studio. I do these self portraits in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted to use some of this Polaroid for that, but it, it just didn't really turn out right. And then I was like, what if I took this shit in a dark room? And started to try to make some photograms with it and just see what happened. Mm-hmm. And then I just, and then that, that just went into using this flashlight that I have mm-hmm. and trying to make some work. Make art. Make art make with art. the flashlight. Does the flashlight yeah. have a story to past? Uh, the flashlight is my grandfather's flashlight. Of course. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's, a, maybe you could tie it all into like my grand, you know, using my grandfather's tool. I don't know. I don't want to, <laughs> I mean, I don't want, I don't want to try to like formulate a book for you. Like, well, I have, in your head. we're I writing have, Tim's artist yeah, statement not, right yeah. now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I have two okay. tentative titles. Yeah. One is called flashlight drawings, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which is all that work that you guys saw. And mm-hmm. this work, it's all sort of, Made with a Together, flashlight, yeah, so yeah. I just was like flashlight drawings, yeah. and then the other the rulers, mm. which you saw a couple pieces. There's actually some more that some more work that's evolving in the future mm. that I have ideas for and sketches for. That's just called Hank's ruler, which was my grandfather's oh, nice. name. I love that. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I'd be um, again. Maybe I'm, I don't. Want, I don't want to put any ideas, but I, <laughs> I feel like. You put like Hank's ruler and then like a picture of like his garage or something right, like right. on the cover. And then like you do like Hank was born in whatever, where he was born. He lived as this and like he used this ruler and like very <laughs> biographical. Thing. Right, right. And then you just jump into this like crazy, like abstract, <laughs> right. like photo darkroom art. And people are like, what? How yeah, is this, right. How does this relate to Hank? And I started, it, you know, I started, I found a bunch of his old yearbooks mm-hmm. from like the thirties yeah. or forties. I don't remember from New Buffalo, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. And, uh. Started photograph. He was on the basketball team, so I found these photographs of the team, the basketball team. Yeah. So I started photographing his portrait in in that, and it's super grainy and like you know pixelated and not pixelated, but you know the yearbook. Yeah, dot, yeah. The dots. No, right, right. And, um, but I start. I started thinking about maybe incorporating some of that. Yeah, stuff Yeah, I love well. that. I mean, I think I think I think mixing in that like with you, you're talking into two different kind of themes here. Is like the archival impulse to like go and dig into personal archives or wherever you can find the archive and then like this experimental abstract yeah and again and like synthesizing those in some interesting way seems to be kind of like part of the course for like modern art you know sure. taking like these divergent ideas and putting them together in new ways mm-hmm. which seems to be that's what art is all about yeah. like what makes it magical yeah. so to Maybe we shouldn't be giving this away. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe you got to go in a different direction. But I think that definitely, like, like, tying all that stuff together feels very natural to me. Definitely. And, and, I, and, and like, in the, you know, 
modern sense or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I truly believe that an artist should, should be constantly evolving. So for, I've had some people be like, why are you doing, why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, coming from Boonville or coming from Sandy and, and I really believe that an artist should evolve yeah. and change yeah. and grow and experiment. And I'm just, you know, I'm all about that. And most importantly, like follow the impulse. If yeah, 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 yeah. Says, like go and do that. Like that's, I think maybe, I mean, probably the most important lesson I've learned from talking to artists, from reading or understanding artists, like if that impulse you wake up and you feel that or you're walking out and something says so strongly that you have to go and do that. Right. It doesn't mean like no matter what you have to follow and do that. Like, yeah. That is your guiding principle is that intuitive kind of like creative spirit. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And I, and once I got that studio, I've been there for about two and a half years now and I, and I'm was for a while and I, I still am to an extent like a full-time artist and I would just go there every single day and it's mm-hmm. from where I live. Most people are probably like, why the fuck would you want to go to Staten <laughs> yeah, Island? Yeah, yeah. But it's actually like 25 minutes mm-hmm. driving from my place in Windsor Terrace mm-hmm. to, to Staten Island. And it's over the Verrazano Bridge, which yeah. is kind of an expensive toll. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Staten Island resident, yeah. uh, which cuts it down to like five bucks a day, mm-hmm. which is a, huh. which is a subway ride into the, out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I forget what I was saying, but. Uh, oh, just the studio practice. Like yeah. I get, I got, I kind of romanticized the whole idea of the mm-hmm. studio a little bit and got stuck just wasting time and mm-hmm. thinking deeply about things mm-hmm. for a while in the studio and in the dark room and out of the dark room. And it just started to, uh, I just started to, to really love that process and it just started mm-hmm. to call to me. And I have my grandfather's stuff mm-hmm. all over the studio. I use his beer mug every day. I use his glasses. I use his pencils. Um, yeah. So it's just like, I just loved the idea of being in the studio and pushing myself. But I think that's important too. And it's like, because like if you're committed to being an artist and you're saying you're an artist, like that's what we expect of you as an artist. It's like to push yourself and to experiment. Like a lot of photography people are like weekend warriors. Like they're going to do it. And if you commit yourself to being like a full-time artist, like that's really what you're dedicating yourself to is like a big part of that is unknown. Yeah. And if you're not out there taking the creative risk and being an artist, then what's the point? Like why why do we need artists? You know, we just need people to do it part-time. Then we don't, you know, so it seems to be like, you're really kind of embracing that as like, if I'm going to commit my life to this and do this and be who I am, then I have to be devoted to these impulses. Yeah, so absolutely. Like follow them and be like, that's, and some that's of them are wrong. Some of the, <laughs> some of the impulses are de- yeah. definitely wrong. Yeah. You know, I made lots of mistakes. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I like throughout this early, you know, what we were talking about earlier, throughout this whole process, like it came from a place of just, not knowing what was going to happen and, and pushing myself to make mistakes and then to expand on those mistakes, create more mistakes. And then hopefully something came out of that mistake. Does that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I also started thinking a lot about my daughter cause she was like two and a half at that, at, at that point when I got the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was bringing home these really amazing paintings from school. Mm. Um, and they were these, they were like 18 by 24 inches. They were primary colors. They were blobs of color. None of the colors ever touched or intersected. Mm-hmm. And they were very minimal. 
and I, I loved them. Oh. And I mean, she's my daughter, so yeah, of course of I love her. Yeah. But I think they're great. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are really great. And I started taking a cue from just like, she doesn't know anything about, about art history, obviously. She doesn't know anything about anything before. She, she's just making art to make art. She's just playing around and having fun. Yeah. And that's really what I wanted to do in the studio. So I just sort of went with that. And I think I got to a place where, I finally got to a place where I feel pretty, it was really about the, the yeah, flashlight. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, like I said, when I started seeing this stuff, I think it's amazing. It's like, it's beautiful. <laughs> like, I liked it, like that, again, like, that's what I want to see from somebody who's committed to making art. It's right. like, don't, don't sh- keep showing me the same things over and over again. Right. Like, that's not what I want you. But I, I kind of, I don't know if we were switching course a little bit, but you also have a book yeah. that came out through Sun. Yep. Son's friend of ours. We had Corey on, Corey Brochet on. Yep. Charles. Charlie. Charlie, Charlie was on. Yeah. Charlie and Corey were on at the same time, and then you had Corey on yeah. separately, had right? Corey on separately. So you have a book that because came he out. couldn't get a word in with Charlie. Is that <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> wow. We don't. Well, we're gonna have Charlie Drama. back. Charlie, we're going to have Charlie back on. We might have Charlie with all his girlfriends. Like, that's kind of an idea floating around. <laughs> he does Yeah, I don't know if you're gonna have all of his girlfriends. Well, I mean, we don't have enough microphones. Right, we might right. have a couple uh, of them, but I think right. it'd be fun. But we're, we want to. I mean, Charlie. I love I love Charlie. Everyone Charlie and I Charlie. go way back. Yeah, We're good friends. Yeah. So you put out this book. With He's a great. His books are. Yeah. You've seen all of his oh, yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got, well, I haven't seen the recent one that you just said, but I'm looking forward to seeing. I've that. got all. I've got in the entire Charlie collection. At oh home, wow! Which okay. is, so which is awesome. You're in the Sun Cult. So yeah. <laughs> well before the Sun. Uh, well before Sun. I've got all those previous ones. So this <laughs> book, Sun, is is Brenner Hauser. It's your collaboration with Thomas Hauser, right? Correct. Right. And like, so how did this come about? And this is a mix of your. You know, essentially, I don't, you know, it's. I guess it's your day-to-day black and white photographs and then his photographs, which are essentially naked women. In yeah, areas. right. Like, well, there's portraits of it, too, but it's yeah. you know, a lot of, so it's a mix. There's a lot of nudity in there. A lot of nudity. And they're, so, I mean, they're, they're beautifully executed. They're, yeah, 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 yeah. They're these gorgeous, like, I think he shoots 810. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's all naturally lit in his studio. Um, but yeah, my work is... It's a mixture. It's actually kind of a perfect hybrid between what what I was doing like around the last time we spoke mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. I'm doing now. Because mm-hmm. um, these are mostly straight, kind of like straight black and white still lifes. So there's some. There's definitely there's like three photograms. Okay, great. Okay. Um, there's three photograms in there. There's and there's one of the rulers. The rulers That's like right. a really early ruler photograph mm-hmm. um, where I started playing with the ruler. Um, so there's like five studio shots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, and this is one of my yep. condensers from my five by seven enlarger, yeah, 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 yeah. um, up in the window. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of blend between just straight photography that I shot in like Cleveland, some in Seattle, some in New York. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the rest is like studio, mm-hmm. studio. Work. So how does Brenner Hauser, how did this come about? Where did this so, book come from? So Brenner Hauser is the first of, I think so far there's three in the Sun series where there's a collaboration yeah, between two photographers. Um, it's kind of like a split EP. Yeah. 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 Um, and this came about Curtis Hamilton, which is a previous Sun guy, um, and I were editing a body of work together for, for a Sun book. Mm-hmm. And we spent like three to six months editing this body of work together. Um, Bill Sullivan, who's the sort of the head of Sun, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. came over to the studio one night to, uh, we were going to talk about 
the book that Curtis and I put together mm -hmm. as well as the book that he was putting together with, with Hauser, mm -hmm. which at that point were two separate books. Mm -hmm. um, he came over to the studio and both the books felt really thin and they didn't really hold together on their own. Mm -hmm. um, so, and we were, we were trying to get those books ready for the New York Art Book Fair in 2014. Mm -hmm. September, right? Yeah, is yeah, that when yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, September of 2014, we were trying to get those books together. Um, and they were just thin. They didn't work. Mm -hmm. And at one point I was like, what if we just combined the books and make one big book? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, why did I, why the fuck did I just do that? <laughs> why, why did I like, after spending so much time with Curtis, like editing this thing together, why did I just like dump it into this whole thing that may not make sense at all. I have no idea. But my assistant was there at the time, so I, I gave the task to my assistant. So Laura uh, Hollingsworth, my assistant, mm -hmm. and Bill Sullivan edited the book together uh, with Thomas's work and basically just interspersed it every other page. So it was like an equal amount of, of images per artist. And it started to work, kind of just worked. And I was like, all right, so let's, let's come up with a design. We were basically there to figure out the design of the books. Mm -hmm. And so we, we made a simple design. I ended up, uh, there's an edition of a hundred mm -hmm. of these books. I, I made and bound all of them, wow. uh, mm -hmm. in my studio in Staten Island. Wow. Wow. Yeah. They were printed in Braintree, Massachusetts. Wow. Wow. Curtis and I were, were there for the printing, mm -hmm. um, which came out great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the first... What's the choice? But what about the choice of paper, too? Like the... It's cream. The yeah, cream. So yeah, it's like yeah, a cream. cream it's like a cream paper. Cream I paper. You know, I honestly don't remember how that came about. Because um, it seems like the color when you're dealing with black and white, and then how do you involve, like, the photos are black and white, and then everything else, like, you're dealing with paper that's, like, blue and then, like, cream and... Well, the cream is actually a it's it's a white base, mm -hmm. and then the cream is printed, mm -hmm. so it's a it's a pigment. Uh, mm. huh. So it's not it's not you know it's not like going over the photograph necessarily. No, 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 true. But like, how do you decide that that you wanted to frame it that way? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but you see it, and you're like, that's good. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like the way it, an older aesthetic. Yeah, right. Well, no, I also feel like this is, it, as it wears over time, it will it'll be nice. You know what sure. I mean? Like white, like a like a white glossy paper, it's something different. It's like, we want this to be like 500 years old, and it's going to be white and glossy <laughs> like this, where it's like, well, if it fades a little bit and it right, feels right, a right, little right. old and raggedy and like it starts it to fall works. apart, yeah. it yeah. still yeah. feels good. I mean, it's almost like you want to find this book in somebody's attic collection right. and be like, it's a little bit worn and like, it's, you know, yeah, it, it seems like you're trying to go for that, you know? Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Well, I hope that, that that's what I look for. Maybe you're not. Yeah, no, that works. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. The, the yeah. interesting thing about this book is that we couldn't, Bill and I couldn't really decide on the final binding uh -huh. process of it. So the first, I'd say 20, mm -hmm. uh, the first one through 20 of the edition have this hard back, mm. which is like an E flute back yeah, that yeah. I, that I then, uh, mounted these, uh, this paper on mm. the, the rest of the edition doesn't have that. Uh -huh. So if you can find uh -huh. one of these, uh -huh. they're actually, they're even more rare. 
So, I mean, if people really want a podcast about photo books, and getting geeky right there. Yeah, there we <laughs> are. There you are. There's right. your welcome. Yeah, welcome. And the yeah. there's you've got books. Yeah, people probably <laughs> want more of that. It's like, how, what is up with the binding and, and then like the papers? This <laughs> thing is a. Uh, there's an edition of a hundred. There's probably twelve left. And the last 10, I'm making a special edition. Oh, nice. Um, which is going to look exactly the same, except it comes with this. Yeah. Um, which ooh. you just pulled out a little insert. Oh, just one print. Yeah, it's a print. Okay. It's a photogram mm. minus this minus this here. Mm. Um, it's a photogram of a page from the book of mm -hmm. two of my images mm -hmm. um, that are sandwiched together. And then I cut out a little bit of a slice thing, which is... Uh, Relevant because this Im one of these two images mm -hmm. that are on the photogram is in the book mm -hmm. that is then placed up against the window of my studio and photographed through after I mm -hmm. cut out a piece of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so I did the same thing to the page. I cut the page and then made a photogram. Mm -hmm. And so it, it gives a little bit more dynamic Well, I edge. think it really works. I like the collaboration. I really, really like the idea from a publishing perspective to put two people together and, like, put it all together. I think it works, too. I think too. it works nice. I think it's beautiful. Like, your photographs are beautiful. His photographs are beautiful. It's a good... And then, like, really, again, highlighting that collaborative aspect, like, the collective aspect. I like the binding. I'm doing the binding. Thanks. It all comes together. Switching courses a little bit. So you've got, so you've got the studio practice. You're doing, the in, like, the photograms. You're experimenting working with some of the other artists. Last time we talked a lot about Sandy and you're like your impulse to go out and shoot Sandy and the, how that picked up a little bit of steam. You got featured in CNN. Right. Like you get, it was a big deal. I mean, it, the, the, it was, I mean, this is, it was a serious kind of photojournalistic, like you could have ridden that wave. Right. And really been like, you know what, this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to chase these like disasters, JC Storms. And do that, and it, it could have been a thing. But it, you've kind of switched course. I see, like, on your site, you have the series has now kind of evolved into a little help here people. Yeah. So what, how did this whole thing evolve from just being about Sandy and, like, that as, like, a singular, like, photojournalistic essay into this broader project? And what is the broader project? Well, the, the, the project exists... Mm -hmm. Uh, the Sandy Project mm -hmm. exists mm -hmm. as its as, as its, its, own. As its own. Yeah, and that is called Blasted Trees and Hollering Monsters. But you won't find it on your website. No, no you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna find it on my website. Um, it's sort of hidden for right now. Mm -hmm. I had a solo exhibition of it um, up in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. and I actually um, had a sculpture in the show mm -hmm. for the for the first time, which was mm. which was kind of interesting. Wow. It was this. Uh, fire pit mm -hmm. that I found shortly after. I don't know if you've seen that, mm -hmm. seen images yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, it was a fire pit that I found on the edge of the ocean mm -hmm. in Coney Island um, that people were using to keep warm. Mm -hmm. um, and then about eight months later, I, I photographed Sandy for about a year. So I went back mm -hmm. and about eight months later, I found it destroyed. Oh, wow. Um, and it was this really beautiful fire pit mm -hmm. that people made out of rocks and bricks from, from the wreckage from mm -hmm. Sandy. And so I collected all of this, all these bricks and all these rocks mm -hmm. and I photographed it meticulously. And then I recreated this fire pit in a gallery up in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. um, along with all the photographs from blasted trees and howling monsters. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a success. It was good. Mm -hmm. I liked the show. I think it looked great. Um, but I wanted... I wanted Sandy, I wanted that work to be 
something a little bit bigger than just Sandy, than just one isolated event. So I have been photographing other natural disasters across the country. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> specifically a tornado in Illinois, working on other stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, Washington, Illinois got hit a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a couple days there. And then I've also been following the path of my, my parents were, I would have been a fourth or fifth generation steel mill worker. Oh, my... Wow. My mother works there, my father worked there, my grandfather worked there, my other grandfather worked there, my stepfather works there, all at Bethlehem Steel, which is now Arcelor Middle. Um, so I've been following the path of Bethlehem Steel uh, throughout Pennsylvania and wow. specifically in like around Pittsburgh. And when those plants closed, a lot of people moved up near Gary, Indiana, which is where I'm from and which is where my parents work. So I've been following that, the old mills and that route up through to Gary, and I've been photographing in Gary as well. So I'm photographing economic disasters, natural disasters. That's, that's interesting. So how, like, it's interesting that you put those two together. Again, like, we were speaking about, like, taking different concepts and ideas, putting them together as, like, one new idea. Well, how do you get to that point where it's like, Okay, I was interested in this one natural disaster, but like that's not that's that's not enough for me. How can I tie this in, you know, to to something else? Because it's like there's divergent ideas of like, you know, the economic disaster that's a very personal story, and then like the natural disaster that you can't really kind of like you know, predict or account right. for, you know, and you know, put those things together. How I mean, I think like the- how do you come about that idea? I mean, is it just again, is it like spending enough time in the studio and just like you know, not being satisfied with what you've done and like, it's gotta be more and like, you're pushing it forward. Like I get, I think a lot of people listening would be like, you know, you, Tim, you're the artist. You spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff. How do you kind of like conceptualize these ideas and come to that point where it's like, I got to combine these things. It's gotta be something more than just this thing. You know? Right. I, I don't, I don't really know the answer except that like when I was doing Sandy, there was a lot of uh, low-income people mm-hmm. that got affected, mm-hmm. and um, they've been dealt uh, a, a tough, a tough hand, and they've been subject to their own economic mm-hmm. sort of downfall or disaster. And I wanted to, I didn't want the project to end necessarily. Oh, yeah. um, I didn't want. I wanted to continue exploring mm-hmm. um, the identity of these people right. and 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 project it to m- more of a broader uh, discuss the idea of like what we're going through in America mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. In, in general mm-hmm. and sort of broaden it to a larger scope. And then I thought about my parents who lost their um, their pension when Bethlehem Steel went went bankrupt and this other this Indian and German company bought them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and just started thinking about all my friends who I went to high school with who are now steel mill workers who have been laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to try to figure out a way to combine the past, yeah, exactly. my past with with what I was going but through. But it's, it's also that idea is like in the media, the natural disaster gets everywhere. People are on top of it. You see, saying it's horrible. Everyone pays attention to it forever. But like the economic disaster goes into the background and you right. don't really like the media doesn't pay attention to it. It's just there. Right. So I think like there's definitely something very interesting about like 
people love the economic or like the natural disaster, the tornado, the hurricane, right. things that you can see. Yeah, it's immediate, tangible. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tangible. It's sensationalized. Yeah. It's the, you can see it visually. Like the yeah. home was destroyed, but like on the economic side, you don't see that like the slow progression of how right. like the economic disaster oh, eats it's away. it's trickling down. It's coming. The home. It's right, coming. exactly. Right. So I think it's like it's really brilliant to try to like create that synergy between like the natural disaster, which has everyone's attention for a little bit. And then like the economic disaster, which is a slow kind of grind and slow, like wearing down. Well, the, of I mean, that's the know? thing about the natural disaster though. It's like, it's like channel seven news on the, like the person with the raincoat in the, right. in the oceans, you know, watching the, mm-hmm. you know, the storm coming in, but it's like, it took, 12 days or 13 days in Coney Island for the National Guard to show up to like wow. knock on doors to make sure people were okay yeah. in these high rise, you know, low income buildings. Mm-hmm. And then they disappear. So it's like, it's kind of the same thing. You get a little bit of like, you get this splash of like media, but then it's gone. Huh. And I started to like see that and I started to connect it with all of these other things that were going on in my, you know, personal history of my family mm-hmm. and like my friends and, you know, the history of, mm-hmm. of, you know, my, mm-hmm. of the history of the steel mill industry and, and how it's sort of Definitely. in decay. So with all of your art, you really want to tie it back to like a personal history, a personal narrative and like something that's going on with your life or people that you're connected to. Yeah. It I has to be like that, you know, well, yeah. how, when you, at what point in your like kind of artistic trajectory, did you realize that like there has to be that connection to my personal narrative which isn't necessarily about you right it's it but it's about like your your history of like what you can dig into you right know? where did you kind of like because that takes like a mature artist i feel to like say it's not about me but it's a you know that my history is about so much more than me i didn't well, how i did didn't you, really realize it until recently yeah i mean i i guess i kind of realized that in boonville mm-hmm. because Boonville is kind of about my hometown Mm -hmm. in Indiana, Mm -hmm. small town, uh, quintessential American town. And then I wanted to, and I hated my hometown. I I left as soon as I could. And I wanted to use Boonville as a way of sort of like reconnecting with that and exploring that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't until I like started really playing in the studio and experimenting without really thinking about experimenting that I realized, oh shit, I am trying to regain this you know, with my grandfather's ruler, I'm yeah, trying yeah, to like yeah, yeah, just yeah. Uh, come yeah. back to my youth. And yeah. um, even with my my grandmother, she left me all these romance novels, <laughs> thirty like oh, paperback man. romance novels huh. uh, that I'm trying to figure out something to do with. And I think I figured out what it is. But there's a photo in Briner Hauser oh, of wow. of her romance novels. Oh wow! Um, in the studio. And it's just like, it all starts to, it just seems to all come back to mm-hmm. to something to do with my memory or my youth or, Definitely. yeah, creating that, like, uh, um, yeah, just honoring, honoring them, you know? Yeah, I can. I mean, I think that's beautiful. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some amazing books. You've got amazing books. Cool. You don't want 
I think about is like I'm 40 years old and I probably will never be like this dark room, dark room geek. It's just probably not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to be 40 and I'm not going to be dark room geek. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I own a dark room, but like yeah. part of me fucking hates it. Yeah. Um, you you want to hire the assistants to do it. That's the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, I had an assistant who helped me print a ton of my stuff, which, yeah. was, which was great. I taught her how to print. Um, and it helped me out because I didn't want to be stuck in the dark. Right. I wanted to be like trying to create some new shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost brought you guys a, a box of prints of the new stuff mm-hmm. that I've been doing. It's all so it's all flashlight. It finally got yeah. to that point where it was just flashlight. So I'm using uh, different things around the studio and a flashlight on like a low level, mm-hmm. on like a low. Yeah. Well, can we put it up on the tumbler? Yeah, you can put some stuff up on the yeah. tumbler. Yeah, you'll send me the files. Yeah, sure. Nice. Well, I, yeah, I can I can send you snapshots. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, however you want, yeah, however you want to present it. Yeah, I mean, I have to make some copy slides at some point, mm-hmm. so. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Let's you got, you got two weeks to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So we're going to talk about the books. Uh, this is a good selection. Where to start? I think we're going to go. Let's let's go since we've been. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start with American Pictures. We'll start with American Pictures and Jacob Holt. Uh, I I've hope, heard about this work for a while. Well, I would like. You, I think you've uh, a few times I've been on the show. It's like everyone probably knows this. And you're like, yeah. You sound like such a snob, Brian. But I'm like, I feel like, I mean, Jacob Holt's one of those guys. That's just you know, he's he's it's a legendary kind of like he's a legend story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an, one of the most amazing. You know, so he doesn't. I don't think he even considers himself a photographer. Right. No. Really. More of an activist. Yeah, he's an activist. He's a, you know, so, I mean, the backstory is I don't want to butcher it. So how about you tell I don't, him? you know, I don't even know a ton of the story. Well, he's, I know he's European. He came yep. to America with just his camera and, like, he lived with the subjects and, like, was really poor and, like, he... Traveled the country. Traveled the country, like, and it was through the... Genero- by, like, by, you know, hitchhiking mostly. Yeah, and, yeah. And just um, through the generosity of, like the people like brought him in and like ingratiated him and like that was yeah but he stayed service. in some like you know seriously poverty stricken yeah, places yeah, and yeah. with some uh, so I guess you could say there's people. like some parallels to you know obviously Robert Frank but I think that he's a little bit more Frank didn't go as deep no well yeah and he's I don't know maybe social documentary I mean this guy was an inspiration for my Boonville work mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. just that idea I mean like I wasn't about to I wasn't interested in going down his rabbit hole, but yeah, yeah. Um, cause he's intense. I mean, in this book, I, there's other books that have been published mm-hmm. uh, of his work. One is a, is a, I don't know who published it. I wish I, I wish I knew, I wish mm-hmm. I did my homework. Um, but they did a nice sleek, beautiful looking, you know, contemporary. Yeah. Yeah, thing. yeah. 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 Um, Where it's, yeah. You know, with the, like, you know, the like thirty-five image, images or sixty images. Sixty yeah, images, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And this, this is this. And this is, has like you know seven hundred, eight hundred images or something. It's and the crazy. text, the text is like hugely important in this one too. And yes. the text is all over, and he's breaking it up into um, like biblical chapters, essentially. Right? Yeah. Like, so where did you find this? You said there was. You're gonna wait to tell us. Where did There's a good story to this one. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was speaking at the New York Photo Festival. Mm-hmm. In like 2009 or 2010, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an exhibition in one of the shows. I forget who it was curated by, but it was of uh, all of his work presented in slideshow format. But there were, I think, six slideshows going on. You walked into like a circular room, mm-hmm. and there was six slides being projected in, you know, wow. in, like in the round. Yeah. Um, 
And it was gorgeous just seeing his work like that. One thing pop up and then to your left another thing pop up and then behind you another thing pop up. Yeah. It was just like these, these images were gorgeous. You got the KKK, you got black poverty, mm -hmm. you got these rich white folks, you know, it's just really pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so he gave a speech, gave a talk uh, afterwards. I went to it, I was super stoked mm -hmm. to, to see him talk. And he had like 60 minutes to talk and he was really upset because his talk is like two hours long. Huh. Um, so he had, he's like, okay, I'm going to try to jam it all in here in, in one hour. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. But at the end of the, it was a great talk. And at the end of the talk, he had like 10 copies of this book left. Oh. And I was like, oh shit, I got to get me a copy of this book. Yeah. Like I really need a copy of this uh -huh. book. So I jet out, he's standing in the, in the hallway and there's already like three or four people around him and he's got his stack of books mm -hmm. and they're like 35 bucks or something like that. Not a ton of money. Mm -hmm. But I, I look at him and I'm and I and I go to my wallet and I have nothing. Uh. <laughs> and I'm so bummed. And I looked at him and I just held my hand out and he gave me a book. What? What? Yeah, he handed me a book, but people were throwing money at him left uh. and right. He expected me to pay him. Uh, right? Yeah. So I took the book, thought for a second, and I took off. I stole the book. Right? And I feel oh, fucking horrible no. about this. Let's <laughs> let's make that clear. Um but I feel I felt really bad, but I was like, all right, I really wanted this book. Yeah. So hold on. <laughs> the story gets better. Let me see the book. Yeah. <laughs> I take the book home. I open it up. I start reading. There was a bookmark here somewhere. So in the book, I'm going to read you a piece mm. from okay. the book. All the, right. The quote above, which the quote above sucks, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to read the quote. But he says, the quote above is from Jacob A. Reese's book, How the Other Half Lives, which I found by chance in the summer of 1975 when I dropped into a bookstore in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of Jacob Reese before. The book made such a, a strong impression on me that I decided to steal it, which says, a <laughs> bit, which says a bit about my economic situation at the time. And then parentheses, he says, if any of you looking at this are just as down and out, Naturally, I will understand if you decide to steal my book. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Stealing is not a good thing, but we all ought to try it once in our lives in order to get a bit of understanding for and solidarity with those of those of who are forced into the way of into that way of life. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> how so. did how did you feel when you read that? I felt relieved. I felt, <laughs> yeah. Because I felt bad. I felt oh, bad. Yeah, yeah, I genuinely yeah, felt bad. This yeah. dude needs money. Like, yeah, I felt bad. Yeah, yeah. You know? Holy shit. <laughs> I felt relieved. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I don't I don't think we're going to top that. So. No, I think yeah. we're going <laughs> to that. That's a good story. Yeah, that's an amazing absolutely. story. So let's move on. I mean, maybe that should have been the last. I don't know. We, I couldn't foresee that. Okay. No, yeah, obviously. We but we're gonna, well, we'll, I saw it. I saw it at the bottom of the stack, and I thought you were going to go in order. Uh, I was yeah. like, all right, that works. No, no, I think it's a, <laughs> well, wherever it lands. Show's so, over. See you next yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, no, then uh, we wouldn't have to do the rest of these fine books. Yeah, and the next one we have is <laughs> one that I've seen. I think this is probably the third time I've seen it. This has come up. Um, it's come up, but I saw it, um, the Anuk Krudoff's, um, Anamorphic, uh, Anamorphous Prize. Anamorphous Prize, yeah, it was, it was there and I saw it and it's, um, Ben Elper, it's called Adrift, and this book is, he found, um, the photo album they found in a junk store in Brooklyn and it's essentially, um, it's, it's from this, uh, cruise ship. Yeah, it's these two guys who took a yeah. cruise ship together, mm -hmm. um, and... He found it in a in a place in Brooklyn, 
and it was the first time he found a complete portfolio or a complete uh, family album mm-hmm, mm-hmm. intact without the without any photographs removed. And uh, it was of this of these two guys on a cruise ship together mm-hmm. taking a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's on the end of it, and that's not the end of it with Elper because Elper's process is right. he kind of made a splash on manipulating his family photos through scanning and through digital manipulation and you kind of got to see it whatever whatever he's doing but he's that's not the end of it no he, he doesn't he, worry he's he, manipulating he, yeah, he's manipulating he's doing he's doing but he's doing it through scanning and he's doing it through through digital right i think like, so yeah but he does it in a way that yeah. like i i actually it's uncanny have, it's i have to look at some of the images like yeah. three or four times to to figure out what he's done to mm-hmm. it if he's done anything to yeah. it and you really wouldn't, you really wouldn't know because some of them are, can like be that like, last one looks pretty yeah. natural, but mm-hmm. there's like four of his face like overlaid on top uh, of him. Yeah, 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 but from yeah. a distance, you can't really see that. Yeah. So yeah, he's really, he's, he's, it's, 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 you know, it's taking like those, the, the idea of the phone photographs. And then again, asking that question, it's like, Hey, you found the photographs and that's good. And there's been a lot of great projects about sure. just stuff that you found, but this is, the 2010s and we're beyond just showing this stuff what else can you do right um and he's you know he's a product of the the digital age and of coming up and he's like you know what i have all these tools and he's he's gonna use them and like he but he does it in a way so that to me it feels again like it's not it's not gratuitous and it doesn't necessarily like overwhelm the image right and that's to me is what what's important because it feels if I guess for like the photographic photography people who spend time scanning or shooting film, there's always those weird hiccups, those weird glitches where accidents, you know, and he's mimicking kind of like those natural film accidents, you know? So when you see it as a person who's kind of like, I think he goes through multiple passes. I think he like really tries to get something. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he's looking for something specific, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. We'll have to have him on the show. Yeah, I'm sure he won't give away. He's a good guy. I lived with Ben for like three years. (laughs) Oh, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. And there's just some banging image. I mean, like one-off images, but even the whole sequence kind of. Is that that Hearst cast, the pool? I have no idea. Kind of looks like it. Um, Yeah, I really like this book. Is this still available? I think it's sold out. Yeah, no, no, no. There's still some available. I talked to him today. Got to buy it, folks. Get so yeah, it's, it's an edition of 150. Yep. Shit. And he's got he doesn't have a ton left, but he's got some left. Get on it. Get on it. It's good. Yeah, it's a good yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're we're gonna turn the show into overly kind of like, but you should buy it. I mean, I do. I like. I like. And you should check out the rest of his work too. Like I said, it's very interesting. He, yeah, his work he, is great. He's, and he's, he he just started Flat Space. Yeah. I think is what it's called. Oh, okay. Which is a small publishing company. Mm-hmm. They just they he published this through it. Flat Space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice. and. Yeah, something with those with those uh, rulers might come through them. So, uh, <laughs> oh, nice, right. nice, nice, yeah. Yeah. Huh. nice. Next on the agenda, Shrubs of Death, Mike Slack. Um, I was saying before I like Mike Slack. Uh, we established that he is Ice Planet. He does he does something around Ice Planet. Folks, the LPV show, we do not have a research intern. We do not have a research assistant. And I, you know, my memory is fading. I come across stuff. Google side assistant. 
Yes. <laughs> One day we'll probably get there where everything is 100% factual. But Or point, AI is advanced enough that we just stick a phone in the middle yeah. of the table. But at this point, it's a little <laughs> bit improvisational. So if you hear yeah. us the, like uh, fumbling, fre- frequently thinking like, oh, yeah, he did that. Well, that's that's kind of why. You know? yeah. But I know Mike, Sly, Mike Slack's um, Instagram. I've been following it. And like I, we got him on Ice Planet, right? Yeah, I'm working on it. You're right. <laughs> he's a great, I mean, Mike's yeah. a great dude and he's a great photographer. Yeah. So the um, book is called Shrubs of Death. And yeah, it's a... Oh, go ahead. It's a great book. Yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic book. It, it reminds me, he did Pyramids through mm-hmm. Ice Planet, mm-hmm. a book of his. Um, but essentially it's all, it's all shrubs. I think Shrubs of Death is published through Ice uh-huh. Planet, is it? Let me let's check at the back. Mm-hmm. Printed at Publication Studio Alpha. No. No. I don't think so. Mm. So, yeah, I think the, all the photographs were made at his grandmother's uh, cemetery. Oh, really? Um, yeah, at the site of his grandmother's cemetery. Okay. Huh. Um, and it's just this, it's a beautiful book. I love the printing. Yeah. I love the black yeah. pages. Um, it's It's small. It's like... It's a little bigger than five by seven inches, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like six by eight. It looks like six by eight, yeah. Um, so and it comes in this book comes with a nice print. It's the yeah. first edition. He's come out with a second edition of it. Um, that looks, I think it looks identical. I just don't think it comes with the print. Oh wait, so all photographs made on May 6, twenty fourteen, at Garden of Memory Cemetery. Wow, right. one day. Yeah, huh. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and it for me it it comes back to like. My mm-hmm. my grandpa's flashlight or my grandmother's mm-hmm. novels like this like like in memoriam to them like doing yeah. something for them and like I just wish I came up with this idea yeah I wish I could photograph my grandmother's death shrubs yeah. like it fucking blew my mind when I saw it I yeah. loved it yeah and it's just so sweet well, it I does mean, it I feel like we talked about it pre-show it reminds us of something else we saw oh yeah um, TAS books like uh, a house and a tree. Um, yeah, that Tim Tim was. Carpenter, like he, yeah, so he, he, but this is, I think, is a little different. I mean, it's it yeah, a little different, here. but um, the idea of photographing something. But similar, I'm a botanical. I didn't know it was the same like day. Botani- that kind of like, changes. I like it. I like projects that are botanical. I mm-hmm. like trees, shrubs. Sure. Anytime you can kind of take that stuff, which is like I think trees are bread and butter. Of I was like, just looking at Mitch Epstein's. Yeah, work. Um, Arbor. Yeah. Arbor, yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Freelander's got a lot of trees. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to think of, like, the trees and, like, botanical stuff is an old white man kind of thing. <laughs> 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 genre things. I don't know why. To, uh, maybe. I'm, I'm sure there's some bias working into that, but I feel like, yeah, I'm at home with myself being, like, 65 and just photographing trees and, like, sure. that, that's it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But there is. It's quiet, again, like me. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I was looking at a tree the other day, and I was like, "Shit, I want to photograph that thing." I photograph tree, trees. Trees have they have a personality. They do. Like I was, in, well, I had this moment where I was in Queens. I don't know. I was down maybe somewhere in Howard Beach, <clears throat> and I was walking by, and there was this amazing tree. Just had like, however huh. it was, it was like half kind of like dying, and it was just this huge, majestic. I, I don't know what type of tree it was. But wasn't it was like, growing sideways, was it? it? It had. There was something like it had been damaged, and it was, you know, it wasn't. It was kind of like in between death and life or whatever, but there was this, the woman in the front yard was like doing something oh, else okay. with the flowers or whatever, and I looked up, and I just I made eye contact with her, 
and it was like I don't like talking to people whatever, but like for this moment I was just like it's I'm like I looked up and like she's a beautiful tree yeah and she's like yeah she has a lot of personality and like huh. I sat there and I talked to her for like ten minutes nice. about this tree. And it was like, it was just one of those really nice moments. That doesn't sound like, like something you would normally no, do. Well, you, no. you don't know me. That's what I'm yeah. saying. People, you don't know what goes on when I'm old. <laughs> what were you doing in Howard Beach? Well, that, I'm shooting like Queen stuff down okay. there. So I'm kind of all over. I took a walk My father-in-law lives. Oh, oh really? Go over there all yeah. the time. Oh, wow. it's, it's a little bizarre. Yeah, it's a weird uh, it's place. A weird well, place. go to Broad Channel. That I seems been even to Broad Channel. Yeah, yeah that yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. an even stranger yeah. place. I did a small project on Broad Channel. Really? In 2004. Whoa. Uh, yeah, nobody's ever seen that. I was stopped. Huh. Yeah, when I went to Broad Channel, I was stopped by four different people. Like, and it was this random. Like, I weird. walked through it, and everyone was looking at me like, who are you? Yeah, why it's you a great place. I love that place. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I, no, I like But I like those kind of spots in New York, too. And, like, the oh, yeah. so, you got to get to so those. So not normal New York, too. Not yeah, what you yeah, yeah, but you have to yeah. you get to them on foot, and you get here. And you're not, I don't even, like, the whole concept of new year like i'm not you're in broad channel you're in that it's its own place it's sort of place, isolated yeah. yeah so like that but i had this nice conversation with the woman just about this tree and i was like i should probably do that more often yeah totally. <laughs> if people enjoy talking about like their uh, i saw a tree that grew sideways it was something i really had to check out and it was on a walk like to the rockaways i went through howard beach but this was in queens before i'd reached there mm-hmm. The tree, it was like an old pine, and it was it was kind of old, but it just like went up about two feet, and then the rest of it just was sideways, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just like people have mowed around it for years, but it's almost like a tree shrub, but it's definitely a pine. So I don't want to wow. give this. I'm probably, of course, I'm yeah. gonna give it away at this point. But like I've so I've been shooting a lot in. I shot a lot in Long Island for the last uh, two plus years, and I'm doing mm-hmm. the thing. And there's there's things with trees in the suburbs. Where the tree and the power lines and the power oh, lines yeah. cut through the tree. The tree, and the tree splits, had to like split a wishbone or around. something. So yeah. I got like a short little series of these photos, and I'm like, I see something like this, and I was like, okay, I, you know, that typology, there's something there. But another part of me, it's like, I'm so kind of like adverse to like that type of typology. Right. But you see it, and I'm like, that's fucked up, man. Like the tree has to like, you know, Live around, around our like, yeah, like societal politics. infrastructure, but yeah. it's also it's also kind of like a symbol of the suburbs, you know. Yeah, like the way the suburbs are structured, you know. But trees persevere, and trees trees live. As Rachel um, Sussman talked uh-huh. about like trees live for thousands of years. Sometimes they don't yeah. live us. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like, I love these. I mean, I love. I think I'm all for it. And I was telling when we were shooting this one, I was like. We're just gonna flip through this one randomly. <laughs> like, there's no, there really wasn't right, right. a point for me to try to like choose the ten shrubs. You know right. what I mean? Right. So I think it's a great book. I think it's one of those books that, like I said, it's like fuck, man. I sh- should have done it. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but totally. no, like I think we, you can but, still get it. But the kick, the the kicker was like kind of tying it back to like his grandmother's death. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's all at for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. And like, I got a print. I got the first edition. Yeah, so this beautiful. No, that's print. that's a nice little memento. Like yeah. it's not a it's not a book. It's kind of where it all comes together. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. He doesn't put that like front and center, but I suppose that's like you could say that right away. These were made in one day. You know, but I think it's better that way. You got to listen to a podcast to kind of like get a little bit of the backstory sometimes. Sure. I think it's better in the back. Yeah. That he that he gives away what it is. Yeah. For sure. So the last one we got, 
It's called The Edge of Vision, The Rise of Abstraction in Photography. Do um, I hear triangle art? Uh, Lyle, maybe. Lyle Rexer <laughs> is the editor, and it's an amateur book, and you said it was. it's about, came out about five years ago. It's probably more than that. So you can look it up in the front. Post, um... This is better than triangle art. This is not triangle. This art. is not triangle. Art. <laughs> no. Yeah, we were joking, but this is not triangle art. I don't. I think people get the wrong impression when we talk about that stuff. So. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good book. It ranges. It ranges. Uh, it's got a quite a distance of the history of photography. Um, it starts in eight, like the 1840s with some really early cyanotype yeah. uh, photograms. Yeah, William Henry Fox Talbot. Even Chandler. before that, I think. There's like a Faraday mm. right? photograph. But he talks about Metzger, Callahan, mm-hmm. um, Eugene Meatyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes into things like uh, James Welling. Um mm-hmm. And like Wally Beshti, the actual like crumpling up of the paper yeah. and, mm-hmm. and affecting the actual surface of the mm-hmm. paper. Um, yeah, dig deeper. Uh, Penelope, um, what's her name? Penelope Umberco. Umbrico. Umbrico. Yeah, um, yeah, she's in there. Um, Bloomberg and Chan. Yeah, that's the 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 day that nobody died or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, they exposed, I think, an entire roll of sea. Paper mm-hmm. like a like a large forty four inch roll yeah. by like two hundred feet or hundred feet or something. Mm. Um, after carrying it through through the desert on in Iraq, I oh, think. Oh, that's awesome! Whoa. Yeah, those good. I mean, I, I like this stuff a lot. I mean, I yeah. Don't, I, don't, I think like there's never. It's a great collection. I think I think what happens, I think where the triangle art kind of like in that sort of like snide dismissiveness comes in is because I feel like of like trying to be this. It's yeah, exactly. It's like the repetitive it's more it's more a comment on internet culture than really ideas sure. on like the inherent value or artistic kind of like um Right. I mean I think these know. these guys go deep into what they're doing. And yeah. it's art too. I mean I think like it's also I don't know, it's that stupid kind of thing of like you know, phot- photography is art, but like what type of photography is art. Yeah. I mean, it's right, like, it's it's all like a great, amazing like Jacob Holt. Like, is he social documentary, and is he like firmly in like that documentary tradition? Or is he's this, Jacob is Holt. But I don't even think like <laughs> I sit here and I hear myself talking about this, and I do not fucking care about the conversation. <laughs> so like, it seems like I don't like there is no really hang up on it for me. It's like I think my biggest thing is that I I like photographs like I like pictures of, yeah. of yeah. things and I think like, I, mean, I like trying to yeah. I like trying to break open that thing mm-hmm. you know what I mean and like exposing it for something else so like like with the Polaroids which I think would mm-hmm. fit nicely in to the some of the mm-hmm. later people that he talks mm-hmm. about in Edge of Vision mm-hmm. these like flashlight drawings on that that Polaroid directly mm-hmm. under the Polaroid mm-hmm. um, and this it was the Fuji stuff not the Polaroid stuff mm-hmm. and it's got these like vibrant crazy colors mm-hmm. and it just looks some of them look mm-hmm. really sexy mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just that like, okay, I'm going to take this into the dark room. I'm going to turn a flashlight on. I'm going to, I'm going to press down on the paper. I'm going to burn it. I'm going to see what else I can do to it and see how it looks, uh, see what comes out. Yeah. And, but then that really goes into like the, you know, where you have an art sensibility towards photography or, you know, again, like photojournalism and I think like documentary have, it's kind of like firm place. And to me, I think like what kind of gets mistaken is that like, 
it doesn't, you don't need to move it into this world of art. Like it can have that value, deep value, like that we need as like historical and the archival and like, you know, that kind of evidentiary right. aspect of it. And like, that's, that, that's a whole other Reach thing. Reach more than an art crowd. Yeah. 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 Right. But most of us, like we're sitting here and talking about photo books and like most of the conversation is around art and like, yeah. how do you take like, you know, the photographic image and turn it into art and whether that's through like sequencing in a photo book and taking straight pictures or whatever and doing it conceptually or messing with it in you know experimenting in the dark room or experimenting right. in the digital dark room and doing all these different things or being Daisuke Yokota and mixing them both and right. doing all this stuff it's like what what can you do with the photographic image to kind of like take us to another place and like that's the job of artists you know right so you can do it in a magnificent edit of a photo book you can do it in all these different ways but i think what unifies everyone is like the kind of like the love of like the photographic image you right know? and because you're not painting are you painting are you no i love the idea of I, do, I just love the idea of capturing light you know what i mean um, yeah like huh. like uh yeah light is mm -hmm. the Light is the source, yeah. right, of all of, of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I just love using that metaphor for yeah. for it. Um, As Jessica Eaton talks about that a lot too. Reflected light you? most of the time. Sure, of course. Unless you're photographing something neon, mm -hmm. in which case it's actually emitting its own photons. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, we do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you can get. The, the, I think we've talked about this a few times. Maybe I might as well bring it up. It's the same thing of like capturing light the way like the Hubble telescope captures light from something that's like how many light years away. Right. And yeah. the fact that we can still record that it's its something that time doesn't fuck. Right. It mess, <laughs> but it, mess, it should mess up any photographer that like puts their mind to that. It should yeah. mess up your conception of like yeah. All the these whole the whole thing falls yeah. apart because right. like. You can't. I can't set up a camera right here on Earth and photograph the dinosaurs. But why can't I? If, right. we, if we can set up a camera, maybe somewhere else in the space, yeah. in space, and photograph light from you know billions of light years away. Why can't we photograph? You're the kind dinosaurs? of blowing my mind. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and like that's that that when you talk about like it is all about light. It's like we have this brilliant yeah. ability, technological ability to look out there, but we can't look back at the light from our own history right you know so it's like you but other people that we're looking at in the future past or, yeah it's like know. we said it's like yeah. there's some alien civilization who's pointing like a camera at us and it's like there's a bunch of reptiles yeah. walking around like who the fuck they're looking at the dinosaurs we're looking at their dinosaurs yeah, yeah like, we don't see each other yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah i mean when you get that's deep a, it's, it's light yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it comes on the light <laughs> and like the what the it's all dissipating too. Like all energy in the universe eventually is going to dissipate and cool down and be gone. <laughs> and then explode again in something new, well, probably. Maybe. We haven't figured that out yet, but. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't think. That's not going to happen because. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Tim well, Briner says it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right. That's right. We don't, we don't live in a multiverse, Tim Briner? I think photographs need to live on. It can't happen. We need to like <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. But my I think photo, like my, photo, my archive has to you know, keep its own. It can't dissipate into the universe. <laughs> How is it going to around still, forever? All turns to dust. Forever. I don't know. <laughs> it will. Into like the digital bytes and then they're going to have to get into like nanobytes and going to have to get it off the earth. Well, it'll be physical. It's all physical. Is it? Maybe. No, it would be. I mean. Maybe there's 
like clandestine alien book collectors and they're here now taking up all our photo books or like the good ones is like this isn't going to be around forever but we need to preserve this in the collection i feel like this from the other night this is leading (laughs) down to the um the conversation about algorithms and all that kind of stuff well yeah this is a very, very, very nerdy technical scientific uh, path you can go down with, yes. like, a lot of the photography and, like, just, but how we communicate and how we use the internet and how we do, you know, sure transmit that, that stuff. That I'm lost on all of that, I think. Or that's all lost I think that's me. probably better. I mean, yeah. I think it's just... It's constantly on. changing. It's never the same. It's hard to keep up with. Well, and then true yeah. of, like, any asshole who thinks that they know kind of how it's going to play out. No. Got to be open to change and wherever it's going, I guess. I'm just, I just know that I'm going to live forever. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to have a Futurama head? Yeah. 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 Probably. Probably. So what do you, what, what's, uh, I don't know, I don't want you to hedge your kind of like uh, bets here, but what do you got? What's, what's next? What's going on for you in the near future? Anything everyone should know about? Uh, Things that, yeah, nothing, nothing solid, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on. Getting Boonville published finally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, do you have a publisher? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's a maybe. Yeah. Um, you made a book for that before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that when I first met you a while ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a couple that have been, there's like an edition of 25. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, and some of, yeah, some have been sold and I carry around one that's been beaten to shit. Okay. Um, so Has it changed a lot? It's changed quite a bit. Yeah. It's that evolving photo book. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, yeah. It's from the originals. Totally. Okay. It hasn't changed in like the last like four years, but, mm-hmm. okay. um, but it's changed quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, what's on my site is what it's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically. So, but the book has changed. Like, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so the book is going to be published hopefully. This year, if it's not going to be published by these people, I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do a Kickstarter campaign, I think. Mm-hmm. And I've got another book to be... If, if that happens, I'm going to publish another book that would be as one of the gifts mm-hmm. uh, to give away for like 100 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. It would be a book called Between Boonville, which is the photographs that I made ah. between the six oh, towns. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. nice. Um, Great idea. Which I've been editing for a while, yeah. um, which came out better than I... I initially thought, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. It takes some time. So How many years in between when you started to edit that? Well, I started editing it like right away because I had the idea for oh, this okay. like between Boonville idea. Um, but then it's been like it's been like four years since I've picked it up, and I just started looking mm-hmm. at it again a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot more there than I initially thought. So great. Um, so I'm, I think I'm going to do that, and then these guys have flat space. Ben Alper has something in the works, maybe, mm. with some of this, uh, some of these flashlight drawings oh, cool. that I've been doing. Yeah. Cool. We'll have to look out for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. I think. I think. You got think? a road. I got a road trip going, <laughs> where I'm going to try to meet with some museums along the way, mm. um, and some galleries and stuff like that. Nice. That's kind of like trying to prep for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to actually get in the doors. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the Eastman House in Rochester? I'm going to go to the Cleveland Museum of Art, uh-huh. um, the Transformer Station in Cleveland, and then up to some places in Chicago that I haven't worked out yet, and then in Milwaukee, going to like the Milwaukee Museum of Art and the Haggerty uh, Museum yeah. of Art. Mm-hmm. Huh. Cool. Um, but yeah, we'll see if it 
all works out. And I suspect the uh, experimentations are continuing, ongoing. They are. I'm in a lull right now. It's been like three weeks since I've made something new, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, been print- I do some printing on the side. So I've been printing a job for somebody. Okay. Um, huh. And I've just sort of been like, kind of like, I don't know, not depressed, but just like, <laughs> yeah. Ready for summer, the yeah. rain, the rain a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, ago. it's been, it's oh, been yeah. a brief yeah. New yeah. York weather. Oh, I'm way, just, I'm yeah. way out of my, I'm way out of my <laughs> I'm off, I'm off track. I think May has thrown everyone off. Right. Well, the temperature here at Stockholm Studios is probably <laughs> around 80 currently. Right. So well, uh, we're definitely yeah, heading into the summer whatever, weather. <laughs> whatever's been going on in New York, I'm, I'm, I welcome it. You know. It's not bad. Yeah. Welcome to the sunshine. Yeah. Thanks, Tim, man. Thanks for having me. Always good. Amazing books. Like, great to catch up with that. Yeah, of course. It was fun. Have you again? Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. If you'd like to support the production of the show, this year we are offering a subscription for $20. As a subscriber, you will get exclusive access to our weekly email newsletter, which will contain a bonus conversation about some of the interesting stories we find on the web. Also, at the end of the year, we'll be raffling off three awesome photo books exclusively to our subscribers. We appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to info at lpvshow.com or connect with us on Twitter at lpvshow. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and Tom Starkweather. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Special thanks to Eddie Volanti and Brett A. Davis. Thanks for listening.